Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. Today we have a really great, very special guest, a vitally important person in the conservative movement, Ned Ryan. Ned is founder and CEO of American Majority, a political training institute for young conservative leaders. Ned is also an important voice on the national scene, and like us here at Restoration Pack, he has no patience for Washington Swamp Republicans who care more about themselves than conservative principles. So welcome, Ned. Great to have you on. Uh, great to be with you, Doug. And, and yes, I, I totally agree with you. There is much work to be done in, in D.C. with both the Republican establishment and uh, what I call conservative ink. A lot of reform that's needed. How about it? That's one of the things that when I ran for office, I was... Uh, incredibly shocked. I thought, hey, we're the conservatives. What are we doing here? You know, the lobbying and everything. So it was, a, uh, it was an education for me. But so get us up to speed real quick. Let's just talk about uh, your organization. So tell us about American Majority, uh, how you started it, where you are with things today. You know, we started January of, of 2008. And really, Doug, I looked at the left and what they were doing and drew inspiration for them. I, I, I tell people all the time, I swiped a, a book, from, a page from their playbook because they have very good tactics and strategies when it comes to organizing uh, at the local level. Uh, of course, I adamantly am opposed to any of their policy goals, but on the organizing front, they're very good at what they do. And, and what we do at American Majority is, again, stealing a page from the left, we identify and train people to run for state and local office. So anything from school board to state senate, anything in between, whether it's city council or county commission or mayor's uh, office. And we also train activists on how to be better. Again, I, I love going to a, a good rally, but rallies of, uh, on their own aren't going to change much of anything. It's how do you go home and actually organize into effective coalitions? How did you get out the vote successfully? How can you be better on social media? So we, we train people how to be more effective in bringing about change in their local communities. And Doug, there's, there is a method to the madness. If you look at what the progressives did about 100 years ago, how do you bring about lasting generational change? Well, you have to start at the local level and, and build from there. And so it's my hope that as we do this work at American Majority, more and more will buy into it, that if you're going to have lasting political power that will bring about the national generational change that we need so badly in this country, you have to start at a local level and build from there. Uh, so that's what we've been doing for about 12 years. Well, thanks for all your work. I couldn't agree more. That is an area we Republicans and conservatives have got to do better all the time. And you are certainly doing that work and restoring our republic. Great book. I appreciate that. Ryan. That's yeah, right. Of course. Yeah, it's good stuff. So. Uh, <laughs> Well, let's get into it here. So a lot going on, obviously. Um, President Trump's recovery from coronavirus. So let's get your thoughts on that. How you think it's going to play out here? What changes may have occurred since he went to the hospital and now he's back out? Just uh, what's your take on things? Uh, first of all, obviously, it was, it was great to see him in there for such a short amount of time uh, for a really quick recovery. I, I think in some ways it adds maybe hopefully a little bit more empathy towards those that have suffered from coronavirus. But at the same time, I think he's got the right message, uh, his message immediately when he returned to the White House, that this, this virus should not dominate your lives. You should not live in fear of it. We must get back to normal. We must continue on. So I think in many ways, I, I, I hope that in the next debate, which is actually a town hall, I think October 15th, that it allows him to, to have maybe a little bit more empathy and understanding, okay, for some people, certain age ranges, this is a very serious thing, but at the same time, 95% of the American people, I've lived it, I've been through it. You should not let this dominate your lives and change everything about it. Get back to normal, let's get back to work, let's get back to who we are as people. So I, I hope that's one of the dynamics that comes out of this. Yeah, and showing some real leadership there is what- That's right. You know, he always is trying, 
sometimes his tweets get going and you know but when he gets when he gets boiled down to some real leadership he can put it out there and i think That's that right. uh, uh we had a call yesterday uh with our pollster um and uh you know the the uh senior vote was a little shaky uh, as we've all talked about but uh in some ways, this kind of reinvigorated them to see somebody like him go through what he's going through. And now he can relate more. That, that is, that's exactly right. And, and again, I would say even in Florida, uh, having talked with people that are down there, Trump's doing very well, except for he's a little soft with the elderly community. And so I think this might actually, if he can, you know, again, be able to empathize and show just a little bit and say, hey, I've been there. I've now lived through this. I understand some of the fear, but at the same time, let, let, let's continue moving on as people. So I, I, I hope that it works to his benefit, uh, that he actually applies some of that in the next uh, town hall in about uh, a week. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Uh, Judge Barrett. Wow. What a great, mm -hmm. uh, what a great pick. Um, I think she's phenomenal. Uh, you know, the nomination process, it should be, should be a done deal, right? But uh, so what do you think though? How do you think this is going to play out over the next uh, less than a month here and, and its impact on the election? Well, I think there are a couple things, Doug. First of all, let's remember what happened during the Kavanaugh hearings, which were just a vicious, vicious circus uh, that, that really ended up hurting Democrats in those midterm elections. And I think the question mark for me is, you know, are the Democrats going to be able to control themselves, behave themselves? I have a hard time believing that Kamala Harris uh, is going to be, be able to behave herself when she is questioning Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, and I think that they will they will will run the risk uh, of overplaying their hand, especially on the issue of, of Amy Coney Barrett's Catholic faith. And I, and I pointed out to people, again, when you look at some of the upper Rust Belt Midwest states, whether it's Wisconsin, Minnesota, there's a very big Catholic population up there. And if Democrats overplay their hand and come off as anti-Catholic bigots, I think it not only hurts them in the confirmation hearings, I think it has it plays out uh, on the November 3rd elections as well. So. You know, again, the votes are there. I don't think Democrats are going to be able to ha behave themselves. Uh, Mitch McConnell has made it very clear that he thinks that they should be on the floor and voting. I think October 22nd is the date that I saw. But I think also, Doug, it's a good reminder. It's going to be good for these the, the Republican senators. Obviously shows once again, they have prioritized what they said they were going to do. We are going to put conservative judges on the federal bench. And at the same time as it's reinvigorating their races as well, I think it's also going to highlight again for a lot of the evangelicals and pro-life voters for Trump. Listen, he has gone again to the mats. He has put up the most pro-life nominee that I think he could have. And he has shown that this is a, an issue that he, he prioritizes. So I think it's going to hopefully reinvigorate and give even more energy to the evangelical vote coming into November 3rd. Yeah, how about it? And uh, I saw that uh, Justices Alito and Thomas were throwing down a marker the other day on the Oberg, Obergfell uh, decision. That's right. Uh, so, you know, Trump wins again. Uh, and, uh, you know, Breyer is not too, That's I mean, right. he's up there. So he's in his 80s. We, we could be in for, you know, you're, you're around my age. We could be in for a golden time going forward here for conservatism if this goes the way we want it to go that we've all been praying for too. So, so we'll see what That's happens, right. right? Well, I, I will say this, on top of the judge uh, issue with Trump, uh, I was in the White House yesterday. I think there's, there's, well, I don't think, I know there's a lot of conversations about how you make the first three to six months of Trump's second term truly epic in, in some of the moves that he could make. And I was, again, arguing to some folks in the White House, the great enemy of the American people, of our, of our freedoms and liberties, 
uh, as, as Trump has said, drain the swamp. I, I've made the argument in my book, but also I made it to these guys yesterday. The very foundation of the swamp is the administrative state, this massive sprawling bureaucracy. Trump needs to cut up by 10% every year for the next four years to really devolve power out of DC, break the foundation of the swamp. And, and I told him, you know, drain, you, you break the state, you drain the swamp, you restore the republic. And I think if Trump gets reelected, you know, strap it on. I think it's going to be an epic first few months of that second term. Oh, we can only hope. We can only hope. That'd be good stuff. So in that regard, though, the polls are all over the place. Um, uh, yeah. You know, I uh, want to get your take on that. We, we have our conversations around here about, you know, last time we were simply deplorables for not liking Trump. Right. This time, I don't know what we are. We're like in a different category. So the willingness for conservatives to talk to a pollster or admit what you're thinking and all that stuff, it's just, we are super uncharted territory here. But what do you think, how, what's your sense based on what you see on the ground and, and, and what you're hearing? Boy, I, I gotta tell you, Doug, this is really an interesting time because you see the Investor Business Daily tip poll from last week, national poll showing Biden up by only 2.7 points, right within the margin of error. Mm -hmm. And then you see a Rasmussen poll that comes out the other day showing Biden up by nine. But I've always told people, Doug, the, the most important polls are not the national polls, they're the state battleground polls. And it's the, the states like Wisconsin and Minnesota and Arizona and Florida that truly count. And, you know, ABC Washington Post had a poll, I think it was a week ago that showed Trump up by four points with likely voters in Florida, showed him up a point with likely voters in Arizona. You know, I've seen polls coming out of Wisconsin. I know that uh, Trafalgar did one for you recently. Susquehanna did one for American Greatness, where I write showing about a two, three point race with Biden just narrowly in the lead. And I've got guys on the ground up in Wisconsin who've been doing a lot of voter contact. And that really corroborates what they've been telling me. They think that, that Trump's down by a couple of points in Wisconsin within striking range, definitely right in the margin of error. So I've told, I told people at the White House yesterday, this is probably going to come down to the upper Rust Belt states, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And quite frankly, Doug, end of June, I called, I called Trump up and said, you've got to change your campaign manager. You've got to restructure your Florida staff. You have to start trusting your instincts again. Before that, I gave him about a 30% chance of winning. But I told the guys yesterday at the White House, I would actually give Trump a narrow poll position, 50.1, 49.9. But I have to tell you, the thing that worries me greatly uh, is this mail-in steal-the-vote scheme that Democrats have cooked up. We've gotten good news out of Wisconsin that obviously the Seventh Circuit has said that some of the lawmakers now have standing. But I told the guys yesterday, if it was all about polls closing on November 3rd, I could say with great confidence, I think Trump will have won electoral college, maybe even the popular vote. And then the question becomes, you know, is election day election week or election weeks? How many votes do they steal back? That's the real question mark. And, and I have to tell you, Doug, I don't have a firm answer on that, but I sure sure as heck hope that we are able to stop some of the steal and stop some of the stupidity where judges by judicial fiat uh, are extending this vote upwards of two weeks after election day. It's insane. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, the, the states you mentioned, is that's where we've been working this whole time. That's right. Same, and, same now, pretty much. and now we've transitioned to, well, we're still working them obviously all the way through the end, but we're transitioning also to legal battle. And what are we going to do yeah. on the other side of it? Because that's the age we're living in now. And you're right. I th I'm just praying Boy. for a landslide for Trump, obviously, so we don't have to worry about any of this. But it could be an ongoing legal battle for a long time afterwards, which is a little scary. Well, and, and I've done a podcast, uh, numerous podcast episodes on the Transition Integrity Project, Protect the Results, which are left-wing organizations, very well-funded. 
by Pierre Omidyar, who's the founder of eBay, George Soros, and others, to basically sow chaos and cause dissension and cause people to question the results on election night right. uh, so that they can extend the election. So there's a lot of money and effort being put in on by the left to really disrupt the, the uh, fairness and the integrity of our elections, which is shameful. I, I've called them seditious. Uh, but you couldn't actually, Doug, if you put your mind to it, you probably couldn't come up uh, with, with a more systematic approach to just trying to destroy the last vestiges of our republic by the things they're doing to absolutely destroy the integrity of the vote. Yeah. And it's so we've heard it said so many times, oh, this is the most important election of our lifetime. But this, oh, one, this one really is, you know, and you've heard oh. that before, but nothing compares to what we're going through right now, basically because of what you just said. We know where they're going it's, with this if they win. It's regime politics. That's right. No, the point, yeah. I, the point I've made, Doug, is this. I think it's the most important election since 1860. But the reason that I think it is so acrimonious, so bitter, such vitriol, is it really is about regime change politics. You were talking about a real fork in the road. Are we going to have a shot at restoring the republic or are we going to give in to this statism, to this administrative state? which eventually leads us to socialism and course of socialism. I made this point. The Green New Deal and other things that are being pushed by Biden, and he is pushing them, uh, can only be implemented by coercion. It's course of socialism, and there's another term for it. It's called communism. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Scary times, but we're looking at it right in the face, and <clears throat> some of us see it very clearly, and we've got to do, right. do everything we can to stop it. Otherwise, uh, it's going to be a different country for our kids and our grandkids, that's for sure. So you mentioned a minute ago with the uh, elderly folks and the COVID conversation that President Trump needs to have. What other messaging down the stretch do you see for the president in terms of what's important to win reelection? Uh, what does he need to be doing? That kind of thing. Give us your thoughts on that. I, I think he needs to remind people again how good things were before this coronavirus and riot madness hit the country. The the phenomenal economic numbers. The wage number, the wage is climbing, uh, low unemployment, historical uh, low unemployment among Hispanic and black communities. He needs to remind people, again, what can be, what will be, uh, that the future can be even brighter. Like, put, put him back in power, trust him again with the reins, and let's see where it goes. He's talked about another tax cut. He's talked a lot of, about a lot of things that I think a lot of people would be happy to see implemented. So I think he's got to hit that theme again. And remind people, listen, we don't want to give in to this, you know, shutdown, lockdown, mask mandates, people dictating every decision in life. Uh, it's time for us to be free again and go to even greater heights of freedom and prosperity. So that's one of the I, I really hope you hit some of that message. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what do you see? I, I want you to expand a little bit more on what you're talking about a minute ago. Let's, you know, let's project out Trump wins. Uh, we're moving on. Epic first three to six months. Uh, anything else you care to share about that? I mean, we we had uh, Grinnell on here, Rick Grinnell on here a couple uh, four weeks ago, and we talked about that swamp piece. And why don't you just move to the Department of Agriculture to you know Kansas City or whatever. absolutely. So you know uh, what else? What what other things are you seeing in that uh, in the beginning of this of the second uh, Trump administration that would be interesting to hear about today? Well, I mean, I've I've not been shy about. It. In fact, I was tweeting about it today. I think. The only police force that I would ever want Trump to reimagine is the FBI. Uh, I think it has become an uber powerful fraternity of unaccountable federal police that I think is one of the greatest freedoms to our liberties today. And I told the guys yesterday I would love to see Trump dismantle the FBI in its current form, uh, devolve it and, and downsize it dramatically. 
but there's a lot of different places inside of, of, you know, 430 departments, agencies and sub agencies in the federal government. There's a lot of room to cut. And, and again, I know Grinnell mentioned this. I also told him, guys, why aren't you moving Department of Agriculture to Western Kansas or Western Nebraska, move some of these places to North Dakota. I'm like, you will see an immediate downsizing when you inform an agency, oh, by the way, we've decided to relocate you to North Dakota. You'd probably lose half the employees right there. Uh, but I know that they're doing some pretty robust things at OMB and taking a look at how do you do dramatic downsizing of, of federal career government employees. But I also made the point too, I think Trump's got to look at the fact, one of the cute games that, that the left has played is, well, there's, there's 2 million federal government employees, all right? That's, that's an egregious number to, be, to begin with. But really, it's more like 4 million when you add on the federal contractors. He has to take a run at how do we decrease that, the size of both the careers and the contractors. Uh, I've also thrown some other ideas, Doug, about, you know, I think big tech is also one of the great threats to our freedom. How do you go after the revenue model? So I shared a few ideas with them that I've written about at American Greatness. We can talk about removing Section 230 exemptions. We can go antitrust, but you go after the revenue and cut it in half. You start to break the hold of the tech uh, over a free flow of information and freedom of speech online. So I think there's a lot of interesting ideas percolating around the Trump White House. If he implements half of them, it will be like a tiny nuclear device going off in D.C. People will be so stunned. It would be amazing. Yeah, very exciting. Very exciting. Good. Uh, last question for you. Besides voting, uh, speak to the folks out there, the good conservatives watching. You know, what else do we need to do down the stretch here? Well, I would say obviously be a part of some of the stuff we're doing at American Majority Action, live door knocks, live phone calls, peer-to-peer -peer texting. You know, join a campaign, be with the Trump campaign, be with a local race, see if you can help them down the home stretch. But the thing that I've been telling uh, people, Doug, is this, 20 for 20. Find 20 friends or family or people in battleground states, make a list of them. And on November 3rd, you are responsible for turning those 20 people out to vote on election day and get them out to vote for Trump. And I would encourage people, of course, family and friends, that's great. I'm putting together a list of people that I think might be on, on the fence, that I'm gonna spend some time with persuading them and saying, listen, there is so much at stake for, for you, for your children, for your grandchildren. There's only one choice and it's Donald Trump. So that's what I would encourage people. It, it, you know, If nothing else, put together a list of 20 for 20, and get those people out to vote on November 3rd. You won't regret it. Yeah, good stuff. Got to do it. Now's the time. Well, hey. That's right. Ned, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, really appreciate all you've done over the years and continue to do. And that's some good advice you're giving the White House. We'd like to hear all that. We'd love to have you back on. I know we talk about lots of different things, but uh, this is an exciting time in, the, in our country's history, and, and you're right in the middle of it. So thanks for that. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Good to be on with you. And absolutely, let's do this again. All right. Sounds good. Well, all right. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget, working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe now at restorationofamerica.com slash first right or text first right to 1-312-820-9167.